Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by brave, bold, Brian Marceau. Good to be here, Dallas. And also, producer-seducer, Martin Heemstra. Good to be here, Dallas. But you guys don't care about the three of us. We are joined by the man of the hour, the man of the year for the Idaho uh, school. It is head football coach, Jason Eck. Coach Eck, how you doing tonight? Good. V's up, fellas. Good to be on with you guys. Guys, we're just going to jump right into this. We don't have Kocheck for too long, so we want to maximize every second we can. This is Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. First thing for you, Coach, how would you grade year one at Idaho? I, I thought it was a good year. You know, I, I was uh, you know very happy for our seniors that we were able to, to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, I think the... Uh, you know, still not happy really how it ended because I think we had some close games we could have won and we got to get better. But, uh, you know, more than anything, I think it just gives us some feedback on on what we need to do, you know, how we got to get better here in the future and the steps we got to take as we build this thing going forward. And in in, uh, in your mind, what are those steps uh, for moving this program forward for year two and the future? Well, I think we got to continue to be a more physical football team. I think that's going to be, be a big point of emphasis and, uh, you know, in spring practice, that we got to continue to be more physical, better at the line of scrimmage, uh, better at stopping the run, better at running the ball. Uh, you know, continue just to be more consistent with you know what we talk about being championship behavior. Uh, you know, not beating you know not beating ourselves. You know, taking care of business off the field and and on the field. Uh, so I think those are some of the big steps we'll be looking to, to make going forward. So I want to stay a l- little bit more time on the season that just just concluded last week. Was there any point throughout the season where it occurred to you that, hey, hey, this Idaho football team, not only could Idaho make the playoffs, but at this point, we probably should make the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. I think when we beat Montana, we put ourselves in a pretty good position, you know, getting a quality win on the road against a, a playoff team. I think that certainly put us in position. And, you know, this isn't something I, I talked to our staff about, but or excuse me, our players about. But I, I kind of laid out the groundwork, you know, of our path to make the playoffs like before the season started. I said, hey, we got to we got to win one of these games where we're going to be big underdogs, the two power five games and then Montana and Sac State. And then, you know, I, I didn't think if we kind of questioned if we'd be good enough to run the table on the other ones. And I said, well, if we go six and one of those other seven, the teams who are more just like us, you know, now that, that's our path to seven wins. And we ended up doing that. It's a little frustrating because in the end, when you win the you know, you win the first, uh, you know, six or I guess five of those other games. You know, we, we felt like we could have won that game against UC Davis. That's probably the game I'm most disappointed about how we played all year, the UC Davis game at home. But, uh, you know, we executed that plan pretty well. And I think, uh, you know, I think the first game was big just for our player psyche and building confidence, you know, seeing us compete well and be in that game against Washington State till the end, even though we didn't win the game. Uh, but then I think we really became true playoff contenders with that Montana win. So how much, as far as like building the momentum you guys had, especially early in the season, uh, like really rolling into Montana, beating Montana afterward, how much did be, being real competitive against the two power five games uh, seem to matter? Well, I, I, you're saying against like Washington State and Indiana? Yeah. Yeah, the games that like on yeah. paper. And it, look, I mean, we saw Montana State get killed by Oregon State. Montana State's a great team. That It's pretty average for people to assume FCS teams lose those games. But look, you guys were in the WSU game until the last minute or last few seconds. 
you guys were beating Indiana in the at the end of the first half. Um, I guess how much of a shot in the arm was that for you guys to really show you belonged against two damn good teams? I think where we were coming from, um, I think where we were coming from, it was a positive. You know, again, I, I hope to build the program where in the end that's, you know, in, in five years, I hope that's not a positive for Idaho. You know what I'm saying? To play one of those teams tough. But I think from where we were coming from, where last year you had two power five games and lost them each by 42 points, uh, I, I do think the guys saw that as, as progress. And, uh, you know, again, I, uh, like I said, w- w- wins are what really help you, in the, you know, get to the tournament. So I, like I said, I don't, I don't think really until we beat Montana on the road, do we really become a contender that way. But I, I do think our players uh, buy in. Uh, I think we had good buy-in overall, but I, I think we probably had everybody buying in, you know, at that point, because they started to see some tangible results that, yeah, what coach is talking about is, is working. You brought up the playoffs. Look, if I whether or not Idaho had made the playoffs, it still would have been a good season finishing seven and four. But how much did it mean to both you, your fellow coaches, and then the players as well to, to be selected for the playoffs and to be able to advance, you know, and play that extra game, go on the road, you know, being the final 24? I, I think it's a valuable experience because, you know, playoff football is different, man. It's, it's different than anything else. It's not, uh, you know, it's uh, just unique you know, when you go to a bowl game or something, you know, you go to the potato bowl. I mean, both teams go down there, hang out for a few days, have a great week. You know, there really isn't a huge difference between if you win the game or lose the game, you know, I mean, you put a, uh, put a banner up, but it doesn't change your experience that much. The playoffs, it, it, every game your experience is totally different. You know, if you win or lose, you know, one team cries at the end of the game and one team celebrates their butts off and, you know, the bowl games weren't bad. I'm sure. Well, it was a big win. I'm sure not many uh, Colorado State guys were balling after they lost a game. They just went and got drunk in Boise. But uh, it's different. So I, I think uh, getting a taste of that, I think, is important for uh, for our guys going forward. And, you know, we don't want to have that feeling again. You know, we want to uh, keep working to extend the season and end the season on good notes, which is tough to do in FCS football because really only one team does that. Coach, you mentioned you know, being most disappointed in the UC Davis loss. But from UC Davis, you know, fringe playoff team, Lost to SLU, obviously a playoff team making it in the second round. Sac State, a seeded team. What did what did you kind of learn about the team in those losses against uh, maybe not teams that are better than Idaho currently, but you know the the teams that are in Idaho's range or where Idaho wants to go? Yeah, you know, I, I think definitely Sac State, UC Davis were more physical than us. You know, I, I think that that surely showed up in that game. I you know I I really don't think Southeastern Louisiana was more physical than us, but I think that was a great game just showing what our recipe to win is and we can't violate that you know we you know it's tough to win being minus three turnover margin you know <laughs> you know so that's not and that's i think our guys for most of the year did a great job with that we got a little sloppier as the year went on and uh i, I give them credit you know they did a great job of creating some turnovers and i think i think uh you know like the first uh you know fumble by hatton really is great coaching you know, it was great great technique by their players stripping the ball from behind and you know, Hayden, who's had a great year, he was a little loose to the football in that play. So, <laughs> you know, there's still lessons to have from that game. But to me, what I took away from Sac State and UC Davis is, hey, we got to be a lot more physical at the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, O-line, D-line, tight ends on both sides of the ball. What – there were some position groups that maybe there was a little bit of concern uh, with uh, coming into the season. I know uh, we'd spoken about it, uh, the two of us, Brian and I, about the offensive line and just knowing that like you needed de- needed more depth in the trenches. But 
across the season, what groups did you see kind of grow and improve the most from game one to the final playoff game? Uh, you know, I, I think our receiving core definitely grew and showed a lot of, you know, versatility and stuff. And, you know, I don't know if anybody thought, uh, you know, we'd have 2000 yard receivers. You know, I think, uh, you know, looking at our running back room, a guy like Anthony Woods ended up rushing for 800 yards and being second team all big conference behind two great players. I think that definitely was, uh, you know, a big stride. You know, we ended up, you know, out of the 10, 10 offensive linemen, we traveled, you know, to the playoff game. Three were true freshmen, you know, so that's, uh, you know, I, I hope that we can get to the point down the road uh, where a, a true freshman lineman could never play for us because we're, we're so good up front, but uh, we're not in that, we know we're not at that point yet. Uh, I thought they showed progress and, you know, I, I think our, uh, you know, our defensive back showed some, you know, promise, a guy like Armani Arnold, you know, now it's fortunate we only got to play him in four games, but, you know, when I look back in retrospect, I think maybe he should have been a guy who maybe we should have played the whole year. Uh, but, you know, bless you now that we got him redshirted. Uh, you know, I think, I think uh, Mervyn Kenyon continued to play well throughout the year and, uh, you know, so uh, we got a lot of growth, you know, throughout the year, but, uh, you know, now we got to make really big steps in the offseason. And then I, I have to bring this up. Uh, thank you for dunking on me on Twitter after the Montana game. I learned my lesson. I will stop picking against you. Uh, how did you guys, I, who, I think, obviously, who had us game... going to the playoffs this year, your preseason predictions? Any of you guys have us going to the playoffs? Oh, it's our, our producer team. in the background. Producer, producer, producer Martin's got his hand up. Martin, jump on the screen. Producer. Take credit for That's this. Why he's the brains behind the operation. Yep. Good, good pick there, Mark. Always nice sunshine. So he lives the right Montana game. He's got the inside intel. Yeah, I will say I was a little thrown off. Martin picked University of Montana to go 0 and 12 this year. Uh, <laughs> he's going to go for 0 and 13 this year too. But no, dude, you're right. Martin was a step ahead of us. We're going to give credit to him. So Martin, take it away. But that Montana game, obviously, the onside kick was huge. How did you guys? like realize that you had the chance to do that. What, what went into making the decision that, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to try to catch them off guard. Uh, you know, probably three factors. Uh, one Logan Prescott is very good at that kick. You know, he can execute that at a high level. So it was one, you know, sometimes you see something that's there on film and it was there on film. We saw that there are two guys, their center and guard would leave early. They'd start getting momentum going back. But sometimes if you can't execute the kick, even though it's there on film, you can't execute it. And then also just I think the game situation. I, you know, I thought, you know, playing a team like that on the road, I think we ended up being like 17-point underdogs. Uh, you know, I thought we needed to steal a possession, you know, in there somewhere. And, uh, you know, there were a couple other games. I thought we might have had it against Idaho State. I'll say that now because Regal's gone, so it won't be the same kickoff return scheme. But, uh, you know, we thought about doing it in that game, but just, you know, the game situation was different. You know, I felt we were a lot better than them, so it, you know, probably wasn't worth the risk and reward. I think that that's more of a, a play you want to do as an underdog than as a favorite. Well, you jumped into the next question I was going to ask anyway. What did you do to Charlie Ragel to get him to run well, off after one year, man? He finishes finishes he, that last game, then bails? Well, you know, I think he owes me a, you know, a dinner and maybe some drinks after that, too, after being 1-0 against him. But, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me because it's, it's one of those things – you know, until you become a head coach, you know, one, you don't know how good you're going to be at it. Number two, you don't know how much you're going to like it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have asked me that, you know, in the coaching circles, you know, how are you, how are you liking being a head coach? And I, I'm enjoying that. I, I like it, but, uh, 
you know, it, it's definitely different than being an assistant. And, uh, you know, I think the, uh, the, the, the thing that can make it easier for some guys is now the power five, you know, pays so good that I think, uh, you know, he's probably getting a big raise, you know, to do that too. So he's got probably more money and less headaches. So, you know, good for Charlie. I, I hope, hope they get somebody good there at Idaho state. You know, I, I like to see everybody in our conference be, you know, competitive and win non-conference games just because that'll keep uh, making the strength of schedule within the conference better. Uh, so I hope they can, uh, you know, get things going in the right direction. That's tough for the assistant coach. It's tough for the players when the head coach leaves after a year. Well, the good news for ISU is Ed McCaffrey's available. So there's always that. But uh, just hey, related to you specifically, you brought it up. So, I mean, your first year, had first year as head coach, I mean, any – any sort of surprises at all or, or any things that as a coordinator, maybe you, it didn't occur to you that, that this is going to be a, a much bigger deal as a head coach. Uh, you know, just, you know, more, more, more time spent with media commitments and that kind of, you know, changed from week to week, but like a week, like you're playing in Montana with a visiting team has a ton of media. You end up spending quite a bit of time that week talking to people and things, um, you know, more, more just booster interactions and, you know, I think I, I knew that I knew both those things were going to increase, but I think the first time you go through it, you know, it's the first time you're, you know, you're seeing it and just, you know, just a lot of other stuff that comes across your plate that doesn't come across your plate as an assistant coach that, you know, probably takes away from the, you know, you're not going to spend uh, 15 hours of watching, you know, the tape of, uh, you know, the team's defense, like maybe you did when you're an assistant coach. So it's, it's just different. It's uh, you got to adapt and you got to, you know, try to think what, you know, how are you using the time the best? And, you know, for me, and I, I said this all along, just, you know, I wanted to have great assistants that I entrusted to do their jobs. And so I didn't need to micromanage them and I could, uh, you know, be the head coach and, and really try to make sure that I was dealing a lot with just the, uh, the spirit of the team and making sure the vibe of the team was good. And, uh, you know, I think that's uh, worked out pretty well so far. So last question about the about the 2022 season, which we had. This is about the playoffs again, and I don't know if you have an answer. We've just had a lot of people ask on our uh, Patreon Discord. A lot of these uh, 61 live viewers have messaged us in asking about this. Do you do you have any idea why Idaho's bid was not accepted to host over uh, southeastern Louisiana's? I I don't know the exact reason. Um, I, I do think, you know, I think our bid did include like hotels in Spokane for the visiting team, which is uh, pretty far away. And that's, I think, going to be an issue, you know, whenever the Apple Cups in in, in, uh, in Washington State, I think that's going to be an issue. So we, we better, anytime there's an even year, we better get a buy and play this weekend coming up uh, there. But, uh, but I don't know the exact reason. I don't think they give you the exact reason of how you do it. I, you know, I think we were competitive. You know, you look at North Dakota. I mean, North Dakota way, way outbid, uh, you know, Weaver State. And uh, so I, I, I think the NCA kind of does what they want and then just justify it later, figure out what their reason is later, why they did it. So last question. I lied. This is the last question. How would you feel if the uh, NCAA shifted from seeding eight to just seeding 24? So the uh, like the I whole matchups are a little more clear. I, I I would even be happy if they just seeded sixteen, and then once you figured out the top sixteen, then try to make the last eight teams fit regionally. I think that would be a, a great improvement and probably something they'd be a little bit more agreeable to than seeding all the way down. So, 
but I think that would be a great move. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, cause I, I think, uh, I, I do think Weber, you know, part of the reason they got that is I think they were viewed kind of as the, the nine seed, the first team to miss a seed and they don't want to send a team who just missed the seed on the road, uh, which, you know, really I think is right. But, uh, you know, North Dakota probably wasn't, maybe they were, maybe they were in the last eight. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we were in the last eight. I think, you know, one of the keys to the playoffs, I think is getting a bye because even, even uh, like last year when we went to the semifinals without a bye, you know, by that fourth game, it's tough. You know, it's tough to play four games in a row against really good teams. More from Kojak in just a second. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, do not look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been Vandal-owned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. You can even check out special trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the Gem State. Call now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Coach, earlier this week, you were on a noted friend of Tubbs at the Club, Johnny Ball Games Radio Show. Uh, you alluded to replacing Division II Western Oregon with a game that matters for the playoffs next year and how important that is to get that on the schedule. Is that a realistic possibility? And what what goes into like this last-minute scheduling of trying to adjust this month? Just you know, I mean, it's a year away or nine months away, but what goes into that? Well, I, I credit to our administration that uh, you know, I think our administration has done a really good job of trying to. Uh, you know, listen to the things that I've said, hey, I think this is really important. And I've tried to be realistic and not say everything is really important, even though a lot of it's pretty important. But, uh, you know, I, I have said, hey, you know, it, it's really important that you kind of give yourself a chance, uh, you know, that you don't have to go seven and one in the league to make the playoffs. Because ours is a tough league to go seven and one. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, if we can get another FCS game, which I think there is a real, real realistic opportunity. I, I can't, you know, confirm it's a done deal yet. I think there's still some details, but I think there's something in the works. And I really appreciate, you know, Terry Golick and Tim Mooney for, uh, you know, exploring these options. I think that gives us a lot better path to keep this momentum going and be a playoff team again next year. Coach, we're going to focus on some more questions for the future because that's what most of our patrons and YouTube commenters have asked for. Giovanni McCoy obviously had one of the best seasons in Vandal history. Uh, finals for the Jerry Rice Award. I hope he wins the thing. Does he have the 2023 job locked up or does he have to rewin the job in spring and fall? How do you approach that moving forward when you have a freshman that, that had such an incredible season like he did? He's our quarterback and he, uh, he played at a championship level. And, and that's, you know, when I look at starting spots, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, just because you started last year, you have the starting spot wrapped up. But if you started and played what I view as a championship level, the way you played, we could win the Big Sky Conference with you playing that way. Uh, you're going to be our starter, and uh, he's going to be our starter uh, right now. And you know, we got to keep him healthy and, and things like that. I think that's always going to be a little bit of a concern with Bonnie, uh, and that's my message to him. I want to try to have him put on 10 pounds of muscle this off season to give himself a little more body armor. Uh, you know, we saw this year with him missing one game, getting nicked up. Um, and that's why we got to have great, uh, you know, great reserves there. I was very happy with how Jack played and his one opportunity to play. 
Uh, but no, Von, Vonnie's our starter uh, going forward, and you know, we have a lot of belief we can win a lot of games with him as our quarterback. The the coaching staff, obviously, uh, I'm sure you're thrilled with all your guys. But how do you how do you try to retain them? Obviously, you want them to succeed elsewhere and get promotions and and move on and get bigger and better things. But how do you go about trying to retain as much of what you have while also letting guys you know take take new bigger opportunities? Yeah, you know, I I think my message to the guys is one, you know, I want to make sure they you know are feeling appreciated and that it's good working conditions. You know, that they enjoy coming to work every day and are having fun you know, working here, I think that's a part of retention because, you know, I, I just know from my past history, usually if you're working a job and you're miserable, that's when you're most likely to look. Uh, number two, I think I want to keep showing opportunities how, you know, we're going to continue to try to develop those guys. Uh, you know, me, just like our coaches, our position coaches need to try to have our players improve this offseason on the fundamentals of their position you know, I got to keep helping our staff keep improving on their fundamentals of coaching, you know, to continue to get their players better and uh, professional development, whether it's, you know, going to the national coaches convention or, or going to visit with other staffs that can improve that. I think that's something that we can do. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, texting with the NFL GM, you know, recently, and, you know, he was saying a hey, great first season and they can help have you uh, help with. And I, I said right away, I'd love to get one of my coaches, one of those minority internships, you know, next summer to help him. Uh, keep developing. Uh, and then, you know, I, I would, I would love to keep trying to, uh, you know, I, I think we have the best staff in FCS football. I'd love to keep trying to get them paid like the, the best staff in FCS football. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, where a lot of our fans and boosters and donations come in, but uh, you know, I, I think I'm realistic, you know, about where we are in the place. You know, my, my hope is that if guys are leaving here, it's to slam dunk jobs. You know, again, I, I don't want them taking the, uh, you know, first bus to a crappy Mac program or New Mexico state, no offense to Akron and New Mexico state, but, you know, I'd, I'd rather have where guys are building something here for a while. And then they're, you know, moving to a uh, power five job, you know, from here. And, uh, you know, I, I, I said that in our staff meeting the other day, I think it helped me in my career where I turned down some group of five jobs when I was the, you know, when I was at South Dakota state that led me to get in this job, which was a, a no-brainer. I mean, no, no one told me, yeah, you should, you know, turn down a head job at Idaho to stay as the coordinator at South Dakota State. And I, that, that's, you know, that, that those are the kind of the jobs I hope our guys are leaving for, like where anybody in their right mind would say, yeah, you should go do that. That's too good of an opportunity to pass up. And that's, uh, um, you know, that's my hope. But, uh, you know, I'm realistic. And you know, this is going to be my first season going through it. I, you know, first year, first off season, And even last year, I lost a, head, a, a coach. And, uh, you know, with Chipotle, who we hired and went to Wyoming. But you know, just talking to one of our players today in an exit interview, I think me and him both agreed, really, I think it worked out for the best. I think Cody Booth came in and did a better job, and I think that's one of my jobs as a head coach is when we do lose a good assistant coach, find someone even better, you know, to come in and replace him. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think uh, us having a good year probably shows, you know, more attractiveness to, on the coaching market as well. That hey, no, this is, we're gonna, they're going to be good at Idaho, and this is the place I can go to help my career. So there's a question from uh, one of our patrons, Taylor Cash, paraphrased. So in your mind, what what are the next steps for Idaho to go from being, you know, look, Idaho made the playoffs, but probably weren't in the discussion for a bye. What has to happen at Idaho to get to that step where season ends and it's pretty well understood if I, Idaho should probably be a top eight team? Well, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Winning more games. I mean, probably getting to where you're at, 
you know, seven and one or eight and oh, obviously this year showed that if you're eight and oh in the, in the big sky, you're definitely going to get a seed. Uh, and, and again, I think, you know, football wise on the field, we got to keep getting better at the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, keep just executing at a higher level. I still think there were some things like you watch, you know, being in the right gap on defense, executing blitzes properly with everybody working in cohesion is, uh, is stuff we can get better at. Um, you know, being better running the ball. You know, again, you look at most of the the teams who are playing this week, who I think are true contenders. You know, a lot of them are rushing the ball. You know, six yards per carry. I'm not sure exactly where we were, like four point seven or something. Um, and then, you know, I think there's some things we had to continue to to build infrastructure wise. And I, I think our administration has been great because they're looking at those things and asking. You know what are the next steps we got to take, and you know I, I think getting a improving our locker room is important. Improving our meeting room situation is important. Uh, I think probably the the longest term one of the three is you know getting you know some time of uh, some kind of turf facility where our players have access to like throw the ball around and run seven on seven in January, February, and March when the uh, you know when the turf is set up for up for track. Uh, and again, I don't think that needs to be like a hundred yard surface, but maybe a 50 you know, yard surface where you could have, you know, full seven on seven drills and things like that. And that would also help with some of your just off season agility training and change of direction things. Uh, you know, so those are some of the things like infrastructure wise, like to be a consistent national champion uh, at this level. I, I just look like what South Dakota State did, you know, they built. Uh, you know, a beautiful indoor facility in 2014 and then built a brand new stadium in 2016. And now, They've been in the semifinals for the last five years and proud, you know, their favorite as the one seed to do it again this year. So I do think in, in college athletics, you can see a lot of return on the investment when you uh, invest in things. So you talked about the improving running the football, talked about the teams playing still in the playoffs right now. I mean, that that's a recent, not, not exactly recent, but kind of a big evolution in the big sky is the better teams, the big sky right now. Honestly, they're not, you know, pass the ball 50 times. It's, you know, look at Montana state. They're running to death. Look at Weber state. They're tough. They run a ton, run a ton. Look at Sac state. Yeah. They can pass, but they can run pretty damn well. Look at UC Davis. Same thing. What in your, is there anything in your mind that you'd say explains why that's been the evolution of this conference over the last few years? Because it really wasn't that long ago that teams like Eastern and NAU and even, hey, I mean, Sac State was in there. We're winning games, throwing the ball. But it looks like every every good team looks like they're trying to follow the same template. Well, I, you know, I, I'll give credit. I'll give credit to North Dakota State because I know a lot of the stuff we did at South Dakota State was copying what they did because it was the best recipe. And you know, lately South Dakota State's just been doing that recipe better than North Dakota State. You know, but it's play really good defense, be really good at the line of scrimmage, run the ball. You know, don't beat yourself. You know, make the other team uh, uh, beat you, and uh, you know I think that's been North Dakota State's recipe. You know, even the thing that's kind of crazy is even when they've had, uh, you know, they've had three quarterbacks drafted in the NFL, two of them in the first round during that that stretch, but they still they throw it about 20, 20 22 times. You know, they don't they don't uh, you know they're not dropping back with those guys forty times, man. They they do their recipe. They're going to run the ball and play action and try to wear you out. So I, I would really attribute it to that. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, there's been some teams that have, uh, you know, Eastern made a run there in the championship game, being a little bit more of a throw it around team. But, you know, even if you look at James Madison, the year that they beat, you know, the only time North Dakota State's lost at home during that stretch 
you know, they, they kind of did the same recipe. They were really physical on defense and ran the ball. And, you know, I just think that's been winning football in the, uh, uh, FCS playoffs and especially just, uh, you know, I, I think a, a physical run game, it's tough to have a bad day with your physical run game. You, know, you can get games in the playoffs where weather can really have a factor with wind or rain or snow, but, uh, you know, it doesn't affect your run game as much. This is a, comp- a compilation question from patrons, uh, Jonathan Jacobs and Nick Weber. Attendance clearly went up from 21, 21 to 2022. 20, it clearly went up from the Drake game till the end of the season, especially that Eastern game. What in your, now th- I'm asking you to tell fans what to do here because athletic department, your coaching staff is doing a ton of outreach, which by the way, thank you. Uh, everyone I talked to loves that. What would you tell fans who are going to the games right now to do to try to get that dome closer to, I think Idaho averaged about um, 8,500, 8,600 this season, right in that ballpark. What would you tell the fans who are already tuned in to do to try to get that number closer to 12 for next year? Well, I, I think just continuing to kind of spread the gospel, you know, t- t- telling people, man, you know, what, what a great time we have when we go to these Idaho games and telling them about the whole experience of, you know, getting there and tailgating, uh, you know, I, I think especially people who are in the, uh, you know, within a couple hour radius are huge, you know, having Spokane and Coeur d'Alene and Lewiston people do that because I, I, I do, I'm very cognizant of a, uh, you know, the, the cost of hotels in town on home game days, which I know can be tough for someone who's got to drive from Seattle or Boise and is going to have to stay overnight. And, uh, you know, I know, what I, you know I, I know this, I probably could afford it now, but probably none of my assistants could afford those hotel rates for you know, a weekend. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to think we're going to build it by all these people driving up from five hours away to do it. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, people do love winter and rallying around that. And I think just understanding the whole value you're getting of seeing a, a fun brand of football that's exciting, good energy in the dome. Uh, and just the, the full experience, you know, having a great time in the parking lot before and tailgating, uh, you know, hopefully it can be a lot of people who they, they bring a friend or two along to every home game. And then those friends have such a good time that they, you know, they want to come back on their own uh, the next, you know, the next chance they get. Jason, we're going to pivot to dumb questions because we are just about at the end of our time with you. So first dumb question for you. Uh, congratulations, by the way. I know that your, your home is just, I believe, just finished being built. Your family's moved back into Moscow. Great we're time still, for you. Still December 9th. December 9th. Okay. We got moved back. So December 9th. Right there then. Put a little pressure on them with the, the Patreons. So, ooh, I like that. Speaking of the Patreons, I do apologize to anybody listening to this. I forgot to give you credit for your questions. I will do better about that moving forward. This question comes from Sean Kramer, the founder of Tubs at the Club. What are you going to have in your man cave in the new house? I'm going to have a good little setup now in this basement. Now we got a little, uh, uh, like any good Midwesterner, we have a little bar area over to one side. We'll have like a little TV above the bar. Then we'll have kind of the, uh, you know, my wife picks out all the furniture, but like a nice little, uh, what do you call those big couches that kind of wrap around? Sectional? I forget uh, what you call it. Sectional, a sectional, a big sectional that kind of like wraps around that's in front of the main TV. And then we're going to have like a little, uh, kids area on the other side of the basement where they'll be able to set up their video games and have another little TV so that we don't run into that problem. Like I've had in the past of like the kids want to play mad football and I'm trying to watch the late night pack 12 game or something. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be a good little uh, setup down there for, uh, you know, entertaining, whether it's 
boosters, coaching staff, recruits when they come in. Uh, it's going to be a nice little basement there. Uh, so this one comes from a couple of our patrons. Um, I will not name them because you may or may not know the daughter that might be asking this question. Um, I know you can't speak a whole lot about recruits, um, but there is a recruit that comes from Brookings, South Dakota, that we are all expecting to make the team. Uh, the daughter is about the same age as the this potential recruit, and she would like to know the eligibility of said recruit. Uh, maybe not eligibility <laughs> on the field. She may That's a good the daughter probably... the daughter may work at the dome. Just I may have to uh, I may have to bring in my wife to answer that one. She you know she she runs a pretty tight ship, but I know you know my son right now is in Brookings because he's he's finishing up school there this semester and uh, living with a friend. But you know he's still a good kid. He checks in with mom and he asked the other day if uh, you know he could go hang out with this new girl and go to her house as one of the cheerleaders and so. My wife was all abuzz with that and texting me about that, that Jax is going there. So I, I don't know, right? He doesn't suppose he doesn't have a girlfriend right now, but he's going to hang out with a cheerleader at her house. So, so you've, you've now been in Moscow. And by the way, I think we have the good, that's a great eligibility answer. It's definitely maybe. So do you, you've been in Moscow for, I mean, you're, we're not quite a year, but you know, it's, it's been more than a couple months. Uh, do you have, do you have your go-to places, restaurant or bars, that uh, you know you you have a long day or and you want you want to have the night uh, mellow you out a little bit? Do you have go-to places yet? Well, of course, I you know, I got to go always see my guy Mark over at the Corner Club, the you know the namesake of your fine show. Uh, you know, I, I stopped through there quite a bit to uh, you know my my wife wasn't here and I had no one to go home to. I might stop there for a nightcap on the way on the way home from work or after my radio show. So that's definitely a go-to. What do you have any, do you have a, a list of top Christmas or uh, let's just call them uh, holiday themed movies? Yeah. You know, at our house we watch cause my wife loves Christmas. She like, you know, half of our moving expenses when the truck gets here are, are tubs that have Christmas stuff in them. So, uh, you know, we, we like to watch, that elf movie with uh, the funny guy from uh, Saturday Night Live. He was a USC fan. I forget his name. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. So we like to watch that one. We like to watch Chevy Chase Christmas Vacation. That's a favorite. Uh, we like to watch Home Alone, Home Alone 2. Those are favorites around the house. So those are probably our top top ones that we'd watch around Christmas time at the Egg Household. Can you give us? I got, any, I got like little kids, so we can't watch like Die Hard. Do uh, can you give us any details on what your Spotify Wrapped list looked like? What's the Wrapped list like? Stuff you shop Christmas presents to? I had a theory that this might happen. No, so Spotify Wrapped. It's what it's Spotify. It's like, you know a streaming app. Essentially, put together a list of like your top ten most listened to songs and artists. You don't need to give us ten. Please don't give us time. Um, you know, I, I try to keep up with what the players do. So sometimes we'll listen. You know, we listen to a lot of music at practice, and then I'll, if I like the song, I'll say, "Hey, who sings that?" And then I'll then I'll put it on there to listen to them to keep it young. So, uh, you know, the guys had me listening to a little G Easy this year. You know, that was a that was a pretty good one. Um, 
you know, I like, I like some more old school stuff. You know, if I'm going to like sing, you know, I, I saw Jason bird on the road recruiting last year, former Vandal uh, running back back when I was an assistant coach here and his sister like runs karaoke at a bar. And so, you know, I, I wanted to sing, if I was going to sing karaoke, I went with a little like uh, Bon Jovi old school, like living on a prayer. You know, I like that stuff too. So I'm not a huge music guy though. You know, sometimes I listen to Colin Cowherd pod, podcast and things. Last, last dumb question. Did you have any specific game this week where the morning after was, let's say, a little bit harder than usual to uh, get up for? Uh, you know what? I think anytime your season comes to an end, it's just a little depressing when you think of, you know, especially you lose a game by three points. You just think of all the, you know, you know, one play here, one play there that was different and we're practicing this week. So, um, you know, I, I think all week, I've had days where, you know, you wake up and you just think, yeah, we're not, we're not going to practice today. And uh, we were, and, uh, you know, I, I've been thinking of that just as I meet with our players with exit interviews this week, you know, so I've been talking about how, you know, you gotta, you gotta be a little better. You gotta get a buy. Cause you know, think of, think about that. I mean, how, how nice would it be to get a, a Southeast Louisiana or a Sanford to fly up into Moscow, even though we're going to play inside, just have them look around at all the snow and, have their buskets stuck in a ditch, you know, coming down from Spokane or something. You know, I think that that's a great uh, home field advantage. So, All right, guys, we are just about at the end of our time with Coach Eck. Coach, you might remember this from the first time you were on Tubbs at the club. This is the reversal where we're going to give you the chance to ask Brian, Martin, and I any question you want. Before we do that, I do have to show off this fantastic metal work from Nick Davis. Again, guys, if you're looking at this and thinking, holy shit, that is cool. Contact us. Contact Nick Davis. He's at Idaho underscore Davis on Twitter. Makes some of the coolest stuff possible. Obviously, all the licensed Vandal stuff you can buy in the Vandal store. He also makes a sweet King Spud artwork. Uh, Brian, you can see it on his screen there. Uh, we even gave Co uh, our King Spud the Coach Eck visor just to uh, give it a little bit of that extra personality there. So we took, if we took notes on the fashion and we had to incorporate. Absolutely. So... Nick Davis does awesome work. Reach out to us. Reach out to him at Idaho underscore Davis. Coach Jason Eck, any questions for the Tubbs of the Club gang? Well, I, I asked you last time, you know, what your favorite all-time dome memory? What is your guys' favorite memories? I want all three. I even want Martin's. What's, what are the favorite memory of this year, of the 2022 year? That's easy for me. I, I traveled to the Montana game. My one-year-old daughter made it through the entire game. Uh, had to have her walk around the concourse a little bit, but that game was so damn fun. I lost my voice at the end when Roshan punched in that last touchdown. You guys went up by 14, and the game was essentially over. I absolutely thrashed my throat screaming game over to all the Montana fans around me. So, no, dude, that game was so damn fun. Um, look, I mean, all the games were fun this year to me. Like that was one of the huge changes is going to the domes of celebration now. And that it was like that every single game I was there, but I, I missed the Drake game because of a funeral. I, so I had to be gone. There was no prayer. My family could do nothing. Otherwise I was not missing a single other, other drivable Idaho game. It was just done. I told people like my grandma, like, no, I don't care if you're moving stuff on Saturday, I'm not going to be there. But that really turned the Montana game was when everything sunk in man. And it was clear that, no, dudes, they're not just good in the future. They're not getting better. They're good right now. I'm going to go with a weird one. The loss to Washington State was actually my favorite part of the year. Because for me, that was the game that I realized this is a different team than what we've seen. I, I've 
I have not seen a whole lot of good Idaho football in my life. I, I was too young to appreciate any of the FCS playoffs before they moved up. And then obviously three winning seasons in 25 some years in, in the FBS. So watching you guys take a lead against Wazoo on the road in a hostile environment. I know it's, oh, it's on the road. It's seven miles down the road, but seeing that was like the moment for me. Like this team is it, this, this is it this this season is going to be special and then obviously it ended up this is going to be a season i remember for the rest of my life for me it was eastern just after last year after the game of where it was the debog the, the game that i tend i would like to forget and also just i had a friend of mine who was a coworker that i work with that's a big eastern fan he's buddies with aaron best and also somehow knows cooper cup as well just to have him just to be in the game just him being so what I was last year was is nice to see for once. Was there any thought in the Eastern game to trying to push, you know, break at least 50? Was, was there, well, did that cross you guys' mind at all? Because I know when I was up there at halftime, I kept everyone talked to us said, okay, we, we got to do 50. Look, they have this coming. No, you know, you know, part of it, you know, at the end of the game, you want to be smart and get your starters out and get our twos in. You know, I, if our, if our twos had put together a better drive and, uh, score what was the game where andre you know, andre had a long run at the end of one of the games that might have been portland state or something but uh you know if your twos do that but you got to be smart because i don't think you can live with yourself trying to score 50 on somebody and you get hayden hat and hurt at, at, at the end of a game when the game is really in doubt already all right coach Eck, thank you so much for being so generous with your time Always a pleasure to have you on. You're a recurring guest now, so I think that means really anytime we want you on, you just kind of have to come on. I think that's how that goes. Uh, I'm pretty sure, at least. I think that's in the contract. Uh, anyways, Coach well, Eck, well, thank you so much. Year, I got you. Once or twice a year, I got you. Perfect. Well, you know what? That's a great compromise. We'll take it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Coach. He's up. Thanks, fellas. All right, guys, that was the second time Coach Eck has appeared on Tubs at the Club. Uh, quick shout out to everybody jumping in in the comments section. We have more live viewers than we've ever had. Um, I like to think it's because Brian Martin and I have been doing such a great job recently, but we all know you guys came here for Coach Eck. Um, immediate reactions, Brian, Martin? Just uh, look, whenever I want it to be the new season already. I'm sorry to jump in front of you, Brian. Holy shit, I am already excited for next year and December well, 21st for signing day. Well, look, Martin, we'll bring you back in. Everyone knows Martin was holding back the F-bombs and playing the uh, Jesus Christ clip the entire time while Eck was on. Not not that the dude hasn't heard those words before or can't handle it, but uh, I don't know. Just just trying to make sure we don't, like, face plants needlessly. But, um, look, but look, here's my takeaway, man. He Because Jason Eck is a pretty fun interview, we have some concrete stuff. You know, he, if you guys were curious um, about – the quarterback situation for next year, Jason Eck was clear. Giovanni's mm -hmm. the guy uh, makes it sound like the battle then would be for the number two. He, if you're curious about how does he kind of delineate who, who's going to, if you started last year, who maintains their spot? He said like, look, if you're playing at, you know, championship level, meaning like, Hey, if you're starting and you're good, yeah, you probably don't have to start from scratch, but you know, if that, if you're, if that's not you, then Hey, Maybe you are starting from scratch. It's, you know, it's, it's a reasonable answer of some people are obviously entrenched. Some people are not. And Hey, he said, Giovanni was entrenched. Mm -hmm. uh, people asked about FCS uh, getting rid of that D2 game and getting an FCS game in there. Yeah. He said the department's working on it. Like that's, that's a real thing. He's now said that twice. 
uh, he, which means they are not afraid of letting fans know that is a, that's a goal for next season because the team is trying to get um, Jesus Christ, Jason Meyer, uh, because uh, he want, wants team to get the playoffs next year. That's uh, that, that's a real thing. So I guess, yeah, the, one of my takeaways is we got some concrete stuff, man. Uh, and all the concrete stuff that, that he brought up Dallas, like it's the kind of stuff I'm glad to hear. I'm glad he's not afraid of sharing that with fans. Absolutely. Um, I do have to give a quick shout out because nobody, anybody listening to this in the audio is going to have no idea why you just brought up Jason Mayer. Uh, Jason Mayer asking a follow-up question in the YouTube comments. Follow-up question. Is the cheerleader just a friend or a friend friend? Um, you might be able to piece two and two together based on Jason asking that question. Guys, I, I cannot believe we have to go talk about basketball soon. We don't have to because we could still talk about this interview right now if you really wanted to. But see, it's like it's the darkness at the end of the light is all I can think about at this moment because that you get off of a a 45 minute talk with Coach Eck and all you can think about is wanting to run through a wall for Vandal football next year. And that's all I can think about is Vandal football. Because all I can hear is Jason Eck, thank you for coming on. You guys, we got to talk about Zach Claus. We just have to. This is what this is like the 19th time this has happened. Nick Weber in the comment thread. Yeah, Dallas, you got to listen to your superiors. Nick Weber, no veggies after that. See, I I'm going to blame uh, I'm going to blame Martin for this one because Martin is posting things about Portland State basketball in the men's basketball chat, which makes me think of uh, anybody that doesn't know what chat I'm talking about. Patreon.com backslash tubs of the club. You can get into our discord. You can talk about every sport imaginable. You can talk all sorts of stuff. Vandal athletics, Vandal non-athletics, non-Vandal stuff. We've got it all. Come hang out with us. We have 60 people that want to talk about the Pacific win. Exactly. You know what? Hey, um, let's just do a hard shift real quick. Yeah, I'm looking in the comment thread to just try and talk about football again. Here's Sean Kramer. Sean, thanks for the assist here. We really need it. Uh, Sean Kramer says he spoke like he plans on being here a long time. So obviously we're not going to ask a coach, hey, when are you leaving? Because there is no good answer for that whatsoever. We don't want to waste people's time. But I want to get back to the fun stuff. That uh, more specifics. Eck talked about, you know, we asked him about keeping assistance around. You know, he talked about, hey, money, look, money matters, of course, and doing what we can financially. Hey, that that obviously means if you want to contribute in that way, it's, it's donating to the VSF to supplement uh, contracts. For, for coaches uh the but i want to jump further he talked about getting you know co- getting coaches uh minority a uh, minority coach internship through the nfl as an example of trying to incentivize staying in idaho um i know stanley franks w- took part in i don't know if the fa- the former term is internship but the big sky conference heading into media day they had it's kind of it's not exactly a workshop. It's broadly speaking, kind of like a training thing for guys who are not head coaches who want to maybe someday become assist, uh, to become head coaches. Stanley Franks took part in that for University of Idaho. So, look, more concrete stuff, and all the concrete stuff that we get to hear about Dallas, it's things moving in the right direction. The kind of things that you're damn happy to hear that when Jason Eck talks to a pro head coach, and the co- pro sorry a pro coach and the pro coach says, "Hey, what can we do to help out?" Jason Eck not only has something, it's something for a guy who's not Jason Eck. Yeah, I got nothing to add to that, Brian. Um, I'm I'm honestly still like riding the wave of just trying to be as realistic as I can. Kojak feels like a guy who could end up at a big time program at some point in the future. 
you got to be very happy he's here. There, we have more live viewers right now than we've ever had. I'm assuming most of you guys went to to Games of the Dome. This is going to be probably the biggest episode Tubbs of the Club has ever had. If you have any interest at all in Vandal football, you need to get here next year. Next year's schedule, not maybe lining up quite as easy as this one did, but this program's headed in the right direction. And Brian, I'm sorry for killing every single point you just fed to me there, but that's right now that's all I can think about is, guys, we got we to gotta come out and support this team. Like, Support the school, support this team, pack the dome. This is a good time to be a Vandal. We haven't had a whole lot of those bathe in it because who knows the next time something like this comes around. Correct. But also, like, hey, like, I know you're talking about, hey, you don't know the next time this comes around. But, and I know a little, little bit of that is I'm now talking not to you, Dallas, but about you. Um, is uh, the Vandal PTSD that everyone has from Idaho having, you know, last, last few times Idaho's had a good season. It was, you know, Rob Akey one year makes a bowl face plant next few years. Paul Petrino makes a bowl face plant next few years. Guys, I, I have 0% concern about that because we saw one, the huge change in Eck and his staff coming on. We started seeing buying in the community in a way that we hadn't seen. We started seeing, I mean, come on, Idaho being a second half team. And that's not to say Idaho struggled in the first half. But Idaho became reputationally a second half team, meaning they can adjust to what other teams are doing uh, on the fly. It's because not only is Jason Deck great at what he does, he has great uh, coordinators, guys like Rob Orch, guys like Luke Schleisner, guys like Tom Ford, uh, guys in leadership positions doing what exactly what they need to do. So um, I have zero PTSD right now. I'm stoked for next season. You touched on the schedule. I want to hold off on like running uh, just on my end. I want to hold off on running through next year's schedule for a while. Cause I want to still enjoy where we have this, this season. We still have our own tubs, like closing the book on this season episode next week as well. Um, but it just, just cause you brought it up. That stuff's always on paper. Some teams get better that it's surprising. They get better. Like Idaho, Heading into this season, no, even us, Dallas, we knew Idaho was going to be a tougher win, but we didn't think Idaho was going to be a top 15 matchup for, for big sky teams. We didn't know that Idaho being on Eastern schedule was going to be the nail in the coffin that no, there's no prayer of 500 in conference. Those things do change, uh, you know, year to year a little bit. And Idaho's moving in, in the right direction. Idaho made a huge jump and, you know, X, X talked about it. Um, Idaho's got it. And he talked the same way we talked about Idaho after the Eastern, after that's not Eastern, the UC Davis and Sac State games is Idaho's got to get more physical. Uh, Idaho's got to get stronger in the trenches. And, you know, in other, it, other interviews, Jason X been open. It, it takes time to develop big sky linemen that are going to be that good. He, big sky schools, North Dakota state, they're not getting five-star linemen. They get guys, they have a kick-ass strength and conditioning program and they develop all conference linemen over a few years. Well, X been here for one year, but we know uh, the broad direction the team's moving. We know who some of the guys coming back for next season we can point to to say, hey, worse. We know we've got all conference talent on this team. And I'm not talking like third team, I'm not talking about Dylan McCaffrey bullshit, honorable mention, um, all, all big sky talent. I'm talking about guys who, if they should be first team, worst case scenario, they're second team. So, um, it's just hard for me to stress how stoked I am on this, man. Um, you know, I taught, set, I brought it up to Jason Neck. The football games this year were celebrations. Um, we had attendance went up. 
virtually everyone you talk to was stoked about how the year was going. And just because this brings up when people, when people talk about fan bases, um, Idaho fans made it clear shit doesn't have to be perfect for fans to, to be, to be on board. We just need more, more excitement into next year too. And look, the, the day, the jury's in right now. Attendance certainly went up. I thought the games were more fun as more people were there. And it's just going to take more than one year to completely turn that around. Look at Sacramento state as your reference point. It took a couple years for Sacramento state to really turn their attendance around. But this year, Sacramento state was one of the top, uh, I think they're the number three team in the big sky in attendance. They had the single most attended big sky game this season against UC Davis. Just takes time. Dallas, you're laughing. I'm going to throw it to you. You're muted. You're muted, man. Look at that. I, I, I tried using the stream yard mute instead of my microphone mute and I completely screwed the pooch. I pulled the Brian on that one. Um, Brian, look at the bottom of the screen. That's why I'm laughing. For the love of God, Martin. Okay, if you're listening on podcast, we have Dread It, Run From It, Veggie Season still arrives. Um, yeah, no, dude, we, look, we will eventually get to basketball, but I'm still going to stay in football till we're talking about, about basketball. So, like, so Dallas, uh, any further reaction on Idaho football after this interview in this season? Man, I'm just I'm so stoked for this team. I'm so I'm so stoked of where what this team did and what the future looks like for this team. Um, I mean, you have a guy like Giovanni McCoy come in as the. I mean, Eck even said it uh, that they thought McCoy was really small. Thought his grades were pretty bad. Didn't really have high high expectations for him. Kid climbs all the way up the depth chart, gets to first, ends up being a third team All Big Sky player, and I I'm still devastated. I think if McCoy's 100 healthy against SLU, I think they win that game by three touchdowns. And it sucks that he did get hurt. And I think uh, Eck obviously mentioned McCoy's got to put a little more weight on, get a little bit bigger. The things he said about hey we we had freshmen playing, we had I mean Aiden Knapik or Knapik. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm terrible with that. Uh, made it as an honorable mention freshman walk on lineman. And then X says right right out, I do not want freshmen playing on the line. Like that's the goal is to build this team to where that isn't something that happens. Obviously, they succeeded, but it's clear to me that X got a vision for this program. This was just the, the first step in the right direction. Man, I I would be I would be content with seasons like this from here on out, but it sounds like that's obviously not the goal. The goal is championships, the goal is winning the big sky conference. I'm just I'm fucking excited, man. We do have one thing we have not yet done uh, that that may still be appropriate for this season. We have not picked the three big sky games with no prep whatsoever. Dallas, do you still want to do that? I'm just I, look. I'm now gonna I'm, again, Dallas. I'm talking about you, but not to you, guys. I'm really just trying to throw any lifeline to keep the topic still on football. No, I'm I'm good for it. I I'll bring them up right now. I know we don't have them written down. I'll bring them up and put them on the screen here. Uh, or uh, Martin might if he beats me to it, but no, I'm I'm all for it. Let's let's talk a little bit more football because anything we can do to to keep away from the dreaded thing I don't want to talk about. So first one up, um, let's you know what, let's just let's rip the bandaid off, guys. North Dakota State, the number three overall seed, hosting Montana. I will go North Dakota State by fifty. I'm not going to go North Coast State by 50, but NDSU is definitely going to win. Uh, look, Montana had the weirdest first round game. They were down 24 to three to SEMO. I'm not kidding. I I was honestly curious, and I 
I have been spent time online and on this show telling people, look, even though Montana lost some games, like if you think Bobby Hawk's a bad coach, it's because you have no idea what you're talking about. I was truly curious, like, oh, if they lose, if Montana loses this game 35 to three, is Bobby Hawk fired tomorrow? Then Montana turns the game, honestly, into a not quite blowout, but a, a multi-score win. Partially, that was special team scores. I can't believe Simo decided to let uh, Malik Flowers return a kickoff and Junior Bergen return a punt, but that's where you go. North Dakota State is not going to make those mistakes. <clears throat> North, North Dakota State is too tough. Even in a quote-unquote down year for NDSU, they're the number three seed, so yeah. Uh, Montana can't score well enough, and I think their defense is a little beat up, and their offense can't de- keep the defense off the field long enough. So, yeah, NDSU wins easy. That takes us to our next game, Richmond Spiders at Sacramento State Hornets. Are you not picking Mo- the Montana game, Dallas? Oh, sorry. Uh, I uh, I don't know why I didn't. Um, North Dakota State wins this game by 30. Uh, North Dakota State is going to out-physical the shit out of Montana. Uh, Montana's defense might be able to, to keep North Dakota State's offense at bay for a while, but... I don't think Montana's got what they need offensively to, to make a dent in this in this North Dakota State defense. I don't think this game's going to be particularly close. So, my apologies. Uh, you know what? Let's let's ke- let's commit to the amateur hour bit here, guys. I'm finally going to read off some of the the comments here because uh, I've been doing a shit job of that the last three weeks. Uh, Tom Kendall, North Dakota State by 51. Uh, Colin Hughes, 31-17, North Dakota State. Cap Dan, NDSU by 50. Taylor Cash, NDSU and a nail biter. Tom Kendall, 34 14 uh, for Montana State Weber. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, guys, are, guys are throwing me off here, throwing throwing in other games that we haven't talked about yet. But again, I, I jumped the gun on games too. Uh, guys, let's do it. Richmond Spiders, Sac State Hornets. Richmond coming off of a 41 0 win <laughs> in the first round against the Pioneer League Davidson Wildcats. Uh, I, I think Sacramento State wins this one by 14. What this game made me wish for is that Idaho could get that Pioneer League uh, playoff matchup in the first round, which Idaho was only going to get that right now if San Diego wins the Pioneer League. So I think this is going to be close. Uh, Richmond's out of the uh, CAA. That's out of a, That's almost universally understood as the third best FCS conference. I think it's like I, I expect this is going to be relatively close, but looking through strength of schedule, looking through some margins of. Um, Richmond wins. I think Sac State gets the monkey off their back. I think Sac State gets their first playoff win. They've had buys all this is third consecutive year in a normal year. Sac State's made the playoffs, made it with a buy. Uh, but I think because Sac State, uh, look, they've been pretty da- they've been pretty damn good at ru- running the ball. Jake Dunaway, weirdly, Dunaway looks good when he's not playing Idaho, or he looks at least looks solid when he's mm-hmm. not playing Idaho. Um, so I expect Sac State's going to get that first playoff win. I also think this really means something to Sacramento State. Uh, playoff games mean mean something to every team, but I think it really means something to Sacramento State to get that first round win after losing in their opening game the last two years. Yeah, I don't, I don't see Richmond. Uh, they're uh, obviously a considerable step up in quality from Davidson, so it's it's tough to gauge a whole lot from that game. Um, again, Idaho would have beat. Idaho to beat Davidson by probably close to the same score. It's tough to it's tough to gauge a whole lot there because it, it's just such a blowout against the school that doesn't have scholarships for for football. Um, but Sac State guys, there's a reason they're the number two school. I I'm going to take Sac, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I, I would expect them to win by three touchdowns or more. 
most of the comment section is is thinking the same thing here. Uh, Nick Weber, Sac State, 77-10. Colin Hughes, 41-13. Tom Kendall, 55-10. Cap Dan, 58, saying Sac, but close. Taylor Cash saying Sac, but it's not close. I think we're all in agreement, guys. Sac State's got this one. Which takes us to the actual, like, the good game here. I don't really care about the, the Montana-NDSU game because Montana should get their faces punched in, hopefully. Sac State should beat Richmond. This is the game that I do care about. Weber State at Montana State. And if you ask the Bobcat fans, I want to see what Ron has to say here. A lot of Bobcat fans think uh, Ron Lowney in the, the chat, a uh, Montana State guy who's been jumping in uh, for the last couple weeks now. Montana State fans feel like they got jobbed by getting Weber State here, uh, a rematch of a game that Weber State almost pulled off in the, the regular season. Uh, Montana State does have Isaiah Ifonse coming back. But what do we think, Martin? Weber State, Montana State. I, I'll say Montana State by seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Montana State. I don't. I honestly don't think Isaiah Fonse coming back really matters that much. But if you, Montana has, in guys who have thirty or more carries, there are seven dudes on Montana State averaging six yards per rush or more. Uh, mm-hmm. Both Tommy Malott and Sean Chambers, both are quarterbacks who can run. Uh, you honestly should understand Tommy Malott as a quarterback who runs. And maybe at this point, Sean Chambers is now a running back who can throw. Uh, both those guys are playing at the same time. Uh, this is honestly for Montana State. I don't know if you guys are aware of the story of Brent Vegan being hired, but Vegan was about the fifth choice for the head coaching job because Montana State wanted to maintain uh, continuity with the assistance from Choate's previous staff. Sometimes you look into the right hires, man. Uh, Brent Vegan doing a kick-ass job right now. I think that uh, Montana State is too tough offensively, and I think Weber State, they're, they're coming apart offensively. They're not the team who can move the ball pretty well as uh, they were in the first half of the season. I don't think Weber's going to be able – I don't think Weber's offense is clicking well enough right now to score the 30, 38 points they put up against Montana State earlier in the year. Yes, MSU's weakness is on the defensive side of the ball, but – no, I think I think Montana State's going to win this. I, I think this is probably a two-score game. I mean, if we had an Alex Boatman Memorial Player of the Game Award, um, it would not have gone to the Weber State long snapper uh, when they played Montana State previously. That's the only reason Montana State won that game, because the Weber State long snapper, for anybody that didn't pay attention to the game, snapped the ball over the punters, had four separate times that game. However... I think, Brian, I think you're right. I don't think that the Weber State offense is quite the same as they were in the first half of the season. First half of the season, Weber State should have absolutely won that game going away. I don't see it happening this time around. Uh, we got Ron Lowney in the chat saying Montana State by 28. He might be a little bit biased. Nick Weber also might be a tiny bit biased just in the spelling of his name. Uh, picking Weber, uh, same spelling, 45-41. Most everybody else seems like they're picking MSU in a close one. Uh, shout out to Jason Mayer, Weber fixing their special team issues, winning 33-24. I got to give it to MSU here, um, but I, I like what Captain's thought is. Whoever wins the coin flip in overtime wins the, wins the game. If this was the NFL, I would completely agree. I I, I got to take MSU, but I got to think this is a pretty close one. Uh, maybe not maybe not like a final possession wins the game close, but close enough that Weber feels like they've got a shot at it mostly the whole game. All right, guys, does that does it? Does that does it? Oh, boy. Does that do it for football? Holy shit, it's late. 
Yeah, it does it for football. Uh, 10 second basketball update. Idaho men did pick up a win last week at Pacific 84 81. Uh, downside, Taryn Frank forward. He he had a pretty brutal uh, ankle fracture. Don't know if it's a dislocation, but pretty, pretty ugly. Dude's not going to be back this season. So uh, wishes to Taryn Frank on as quick and as thorough a recovery, a recovery as is on the table. Uh, it was it was rough. Like the, the game took like a 30 minute break yeah. when they Frank had, went down carted him off they put a towel over his head to cover up how bad it was for him and it was it did not look good yeah so obviously dude uh, best wishes to Terran frank hope, hope he gets better um as quick as he can but do not expect to see frank back this season uh and then just the one update man isaac jones university of idaho center he was big sky player of the week averaging 25 points a game on about 80 percent shooting Jones is probably the best player in the big sky. He's an incredible get for Idaho. Uh, the team, obviously, outside of Jones and coaching staff, who is not Jones, need to uh, get a few other things together because if Idaho's got the best player in the big sky, uh, two and five with this schedule with only one D1 wins, not good enough. Uh, but uh, fingers crossed that some of that matters. We'll talk more basketball later. But for real, guys, you should you should at least tune into a, a basketball game to see Isaac Jones. He's he's a very very good post, great footwork, good touch, good athlete. Uh, he, he's a, the the big bright spot on the team right now. So I got a shout out to Tom Kendall here, one of our longest tenured listeners and patrons. We just dropped 17 viewers, and he's not kidding. We had 17 people drop off the second we started talking basketball. This is why I don't want to talk about this shit, because Zach Kloss is fucking poison. Okay. We, we can transition out, man. That was my transition. That's that's my that's my comment on basketball. You have the goddamn best player in the conference, and you can't figure out how to win more than one game against a dog shit school. Like, not the Ken Palm rankings mean anything, but great job you beat another bottom 100 ken palm school and you got boat raced by some other ones great job claps all around yeah well, i hope there wasn't a misunderstanding about the direction i was talking about i was honestly just trying to exit the topic but uh yeah anyway we'll talk basketball later next week dallas is going to be the tubs of the club like season wrap closing the book on the 2022 season uh, feel listeners uh, will probably send out a message to the patrons uh, if there's any stuff in particular they want to hit on any comments they want read out loud uh, we will do that between now and then martin has his signing day special on december 21st right sure i, I think that's signing day yeah okay well well martin i'm about to talk about how you are like the godfather yeah. of signing day stuff oh, yeah then you, you, then you don't know when signing <laughs> i'm day. pretty sure it's okay. pretty sure it's 21st hey brian it's amateur hour. Come on. It yeah. is amateur hour. Anyway, we have a, a few more football episodes. Then we're going to take our uh, Christmas, New Year's break for a couple weeks. So there will be a uh, there will be a hard transition uh, between football and basketball. We're obviously going to talk football news as much as we can into the new year. But until then, uh, that's that's our schedule. Uh, thanks to everyone who hopped up, who's joined the Patreon the patreon at patreon.com backslash tubs the club we've got a few people who've also mailed us individual uh donations contributions uh we, thank you letters will be coming out guys we just have all of us have a lot of stuff going on with the show too uh the recording schedule during football season you know we're, we're recording three episodes a week uh that saturday through tuesday run kind of kicked my ass so we have some back stuff to mail out that'll happen quick but to everyone who supported us thank you and uh i'm good at calling this a show dallas go vandals yeah, go Vandals, guys. Again, next week we're going to talk uh, the guys that made all-conference, the guys that are transferring out. We're going to recap the whole season and keep you away from veggies for at least another week. Go Mighty Vandals. Go Vandals. I-D-A-N-T-O! I know, I know! Go, go, go!
This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday. Thank you.